kick in by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner, gets up center. Perry, scoops. Corey Perry. Lilia able to shake away from Solani. It's given away to Solani. Welcome back to the show. We've got a special edition of the show this week. We've got newest member of the Anaheim Ducks, Cody Curran, joining the show. Cody, I appreciate you taking the time to come on. Uh, I won't uh, take too much of your time. Just got a few questions. Um, you know, obviously, uh, a lot going on right now, and I just want to kind of cover you know, your journey to the NHL, some of your experiences, and, and then obviously uh, finish off with, with a bit about the Duck. For sure. Perfect. So, so first off... Uh, you know, from having your dad carve the letters NHL into fried bologna when you're a kid to, to putting the pen to paper on an NHL contract, uh, how does it feel to finally get that done and, and sign that contract? Yeah, you know, I guess you could say it, it's definitely full circle. Um, you know, to I think the, the biggest thing for me is, is being able to share uh, this moment with my family at my age. Uh, you really learn to appreciate your relationship with your parents uh, when you get older, uh, when you're not so dependent on them and, and you're not a kid anymore or a teenager or a young adult. You know, I'm, I have a kid now and, and, and my married and things like that. So, so I have a, a very different perspective on what my relationship is with my family and, and my parents. So to be able to share this at 30 years old with my mom and dad as a, for the first time ever is something that, I don't think many people get to do. And, um, you know, back in the day, it it seemed like it was going to happen. You know, every young kid says, you know, I'm going to play in the NHL, but um, for it to actually actually come true in the way that it did is a moment that's a a moment I'm never, ever going to forget in my life. Yeah, I mean, with everything going on too, I mean, seasons getting canceled, and and you know, everybody at home. How quickly did this all come together, and when did you kind of realize that your NHL dream could come true? Well, the process was not quick at all. Uh, it started a long time ago, actually, about I would say about three months ago, four months ago, and uh, we've kind of been through the process. Just I was signed, <clears throat> excuse me, I was signed in Russia, so um, we had a lot of little details that we had to figure out in order for this to make uh, happen. But I found out uh, two nights ago and uh, around eight o'clock at night. And um, yeah, that moment, I, I don't think they'll ever forget it. You, you have so much stress and, and just kind of uh, doubt that it's not going to happen. You, you got a different phone call every day from your agent about what was going on. And um, finally, when I got the phone call, I, I, <laughs> I just kind of broke down and, and, uh, I truly broke down uh, emotionally mm-hmm. just uh, mm-hmm. basically in my wife's arms uh, was like hyperventilating to be as transparent as possible uh, crying. And, and just because of all the emotion that you endure through this time and you know, such a long road to make it happen. And, and then to share it with the ones around you that made it happen. Uh, like I said, it's just totally full circle and just <laughs> something I'll never forget ever <laughs> in my life. Well, yeah, you you talk about that long journey and and you know going through and and playing you know nine years or so in, in Canada and then going over overseas. You know, was there ever a point where you kind of just resigned to the fact that you maybe thought it would never happen? And and what kept your hope alive through that time? 
Yeah, I think uh, you have to be realistic. You know, when I, 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 I do say it, you know, like I said, I could use a different example every time, but when you're standing outside waiting for a hockey game uh, in your full gear, getting rained on, you probably don't think you're going to be playing in the <laughs> NHL the following year. So that really kind of, you have to be a realist at times. You know, I was over there trying to provide financially for my family and um, trying to put myself in a position where, where I could, we could make as much money as possible and, and still trying to do something that you love. Um, but for me, I've always truly, and I know it's easy for me to say now, but you can ask guys in Sweden, I, I've always said, even when I wasn't even close still, that I always wanted to play in the NHL. And, and, and the, the day that you stop trying to is the day that truly I think you should quit, <laughs> you know, because it's, it's, that's the top, for me, I always, always wanted to be in the best league and, and be the best player in that league. And, um, I feel like I've tried to do that the last couple of years in the league that I was in. So uh, I've always just tried to latch on to some type of story or, or a kid or anyone that was in my situation that ended up being successful. And I tried to do better or I tried to, you know, top that story. You know, you always try and just do better than what you hear. And, and there was always a, a different tiny story that I would latch on to a little bit of hope that I'd latch on to um, in each situation that I was in, in my life. And, and I'd try and overcome that story or I'd try and make my own, and, and I felt like I did that. Yeah, and, and you can see that you know, from the progression from league to league, you're getting slowly into better and better leagues. And you, you, know, la, you know, the last couple seasons in Sweden, which is why they consider you know, one of the top three leagues in the country. But you know, one of the things I, w- I want to talk about too is you, know, you spent the early parts of your career uh, in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. Uh, tell us a bit about your time there and how it helped set you up for the future. Yeah, you know, the league, when I first broke into it, wasn't as as good as it is now. It, it didn't quite have that reputation. There was only a couple of guys, Joe Colburn, who's a good friend of mine now still, and, and Dylan Olsen, and, and guys like that were getting drafted out of there, but it was a dime a dozen, you know? Like, it wasn't it wasn't as many guys as it is now, you know? And, and um it was, a, it was still a great league, some great players, and uh, I had an opportunity to play in Calgary, in my hometown, sleep in my own bed, and, and, you know, have dinners with my family and things like that. So I had a great situation. And, um, you know, it, I think that that rounded me out as a player. I actually switched to defense the, the, kind of a year before junior A. So it was kind of a new – it was a whole new adventure and experience for me um, because I didn't know where I was going with my crowd. I, I was just spitballing. I was just going with it. And it worked out. And it, it happened to – and we had Don Phelps as a head coach, and um, he was an old-school guy, and, and, and we had a great group of guys there. And it really molded me um, – it molded my mind and me as a player. It really made me excited because the game was so new. Everything that I was doing was new. I made the all-star game as a 17-year-old, and then I got hurt. And, and I just thought, geez, I could really figure out how to do this. And it was just so new um, that it molded my mind completely. I had, a, I had a perspective on the game as a forward my whole life, and then all of a sudden I got to junior A. And, and next thing you know, I, it was like a it was like a fresh start in junior A. Like, can you imagine if a kid could just start in junior A and just, you know, have the core skills and, and the base skills, but then all of a sudden could just have a totally fresh start at, at junior A level. It was just so cool for me. And, and so it molded me as a player because the players I was playing with in the league that I was playing in, I thought it was a great league. It was the AJHL was climbing with its reputation of, of developing and producing good players and, 
um, yeah, I just felt like I really started to get to my prime in that league when I was a little bit too old. I was outside my draft pick or my draft years and, and, uh, you know, I was just seeing all these guys have success and it just made me really want to have that success. And if I can play against these guys, you know, why can't I get drafted or why can't I have that look, you know? No, for sure. I mean, it's gotta be difficult to, to look at, you know, teammates and friends get drafted into not just the NHL, but the WHL as well. How, how difficult was that time and, and that feeling kind of watching these guys go on and, and get drafted into those leagues? You know, it's funny because that's what I've related to so much is, is I've, I've loved always. And if you can ask any one of my teammates throughout my years, as I've always loved to see my teammates have success. That, that's what drives me as a player is, is to see guys. And it was always younger guys. And it was always Matt McKay, you know, Brandon. I never played with Brandon Cozen, but to see Brandon Cozen come into the Junior A Royals and to have the success that he has. Brandon Cozen is still one of my best friends now. And uh, Mike Conley was a great player and, and uh, still is. He plays in the German League. There were so many guys around me. Um, that were having this success and they were moving on in their careers. And, and I was I was excited for them, but it was hard for me. It was, it was something to, that I really had to come to terms with, that it was their time now. These guys are they're blooming now in their career, you know, 16, 17, 18, all up to 22 years old. These kids are they're finding their way now. Um, and I just kind of had to trust, and, and, and that trust came from my family uh, and my friends and people around me. That, that trust came from them to – they instilled into me just to continue to kind of trust the process that eventually this is going to work out. Keep playing the game because you love it, not because you're having success. You know, like I never tried to match my success with my passion for the game. You know, if it came great, but, but I I just love the game so much. That's why I continued to play it. But yeah, it was hard to, to see these guys have success, but I was also so happy for them, you know, to, to play against these guys. I, it was a, more of a pleasure that I got to play against a guy like Joel Colburn and Mike, right. Mike Conley in Camrose Kodiaks. You know, I like, I say to my buddies, <laughs> I played with that guy. I remember watching Joel Colburn and Dylan Olson's like, I, I remember, I think I was in Dylan Olson's draft video. I was sitting in my living room, having a couple of beers with some friends that we were much older than this kid, Joel Colburn's draft videos. And I'm in his draft video, you know, and I'm thinking, this is awesome. Look at me getting my highlight reel in there, you know, and I'm getting dangled by Joel Culver. And so, and I, I, I got a text from him last night, you know, and, and so it's just, I think it, it was hard to see them have success, but I was also so happy for them. So um, it just, it lit a fire under my butt to want to, to want to have that success as well. For sure. And you, after the AJHL, you chose to go stay in Calgary, play for the University of Calgary in U sports. Now we've seen, a lot of players, not just from the AJHL, but from the BCHL as well, they decide to take the NCAA route. Was that something you ever thought of doing, or was the plan always to stay in Calgary and go the U-Sports route? Well, that's when it gets a little hairy. <laughs> and I don't think, actually, I've actually told any, uh, you might be the first to get this information, but a lot, a lot of things happened in, in that kind of three-month buffer. So what happened was my 20-year-old year, I went out to the USHL, to the Fargo Force, and I ended up getting cut for Nate Schmidt. You remember Nate Schmidt? <laughs> yep. He plays in the NHL now. I think uh, he plays for the Vegas Golden Knights now. So he, he came in. He wasn't supposed to be as good as he was. And uh, he was a stud. And so Chad Johnson, the coach of the USHL Fargo Force, cut me. And I went back to Calgary and didn't want to play in Calgary. So I went to Spruce Grove, um, Saints. And uh, I ended up playing there and winning a championship. But Nebraska Omaha loved me. And uh, I actually was very close to signing. Mike Hastings was either the scout or the assistant coach, and Dean Blaze was the head coach there. Anyways, so I ended up 
I, I was very close to – well, I did basically sign a, a scholarship with them, um, but I couldn't get through the NCAA clearinghouse just with my grades, and I, I didn't get things going as a young kid in, in school and stuff. So um, I ended up missing out on a year of upgrading options, so I, I didn't get through the clearinghouse. And my billet parents out in Spruce Grove did everything they could to, to get me through it, but I just didn't get through it. So I actually – came home and committed to the University of uh, Western uh, Mustangs okay. um, out in Ontario. Well, you're in London there, so you yeah. don't know. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I committed with Clark Sainer, and Clark Sainer came down to Spruce Grove. We sat at Boston Pizza, and I, <laughs> I committed there. Um, and uh, and what happened was about two weeks before my dad got super sick, I uh, just dealt with some personal issues, and, and I actually quit. I, I decommitted from Western and uh, I quit hockey at, at 20 years old after winning a championship. I had one of my best years and was really rolling. And, and then Mark Howell call, called me out of the blue um, and just said, Hey, like, I think you should come out and, and get your mind off some things and just skate. And I did. And I think in the preseason, I had like 13 points in seven games as a freshman <laughs> or something. And, and we, we just never looked back and, uh, Matt Isbister and, and I'm sure you know the Isbisters, Brad Isbister, they're family friends of ours and they had an impact on me uh, committing with the University of Calgary and, and you know really taking my mind off things with my dad and stuff and yeah was, I hit, that's kind of where we were at I was at a crossroads and decided to play and, and uh, yeah I played five years there and, and that's kind of where we were. So yeah, it's kind of the the side that you you don't really hear when you know you look at players and they commit and they decommit and then they end up going different places where all these these working parts behind the scenes that kind of go into you know a player deciding to go to the NCAA or go to a certain U sports school or, or something like that. There's there's all these working parts that that end up kind of going on behind the scenes. For sure, yeah, and and nobody sees that side of the game, um, you know, and and I think that that's what's hard is that they don't see all the stress and all the pressure that these kids have nowadays with making these decisions. It's a decision that you have to make and stick with for the rest of your life. And um, it's hard to make that decision at 20 years old or 17 years old or whenever that decision is that you make, it's really hard to do at such a young age. You're not educated enough. You don't have the maturity to make it. So to make a decision like that, to commit yourself somewhere for four years, it is tough. Um, and works out for a lot of kids, but sometimes maybe it's not the right situation. So, so it is a hard situation for kids at, at such a young age. Yeah, and you ended up spending the, the full time with the University of Calgary. After that, you had a brief stint in the AHL and the ECHL uh, with Hartford and Greenville. How was your time there, and what was that kind of feeling like being so close to making that step up to the NHL? You, you know, you're one or two kind of call-ups away for, from being there. Yeah, like, you know, to, to put things in perspective, you know, like I said, you're you're on a bus for however many hours in college, and, and then the next thing you know, you, you got an NHL jersey on playing in a rookie tournament or or a, or a preseason game or whatever it is. So, yeah, it put things in perspective. It was such a different feel, though. Like, it, it went from just in college, you have such a, a, a family feel, such so much team unity, and not saying that you don't have that in in the pro leagues, but it just changes. It becomes more of a business, and it becomes more of mm-hmm. of uh, kind of a, you're an investment, and your contract has a huge play. So, so it definitely was a, a a huge step for me. Just I really had to try and find a way to adapt to that different type of of, of hockey and and how it was. Um, but yeah, you're you're right there. You're playing against. You know, I'm in camp. I'm sitting beside. I think it was uh, Henrik Lundqvist and Rick Nash at the time. Um, for dinner you know I remember I was in the back of Dan Dan Boyle's call, call, car going to the 
to, to the, to an interview, you know, or to a, you know, the team meeting, you know, so it just put things in perspective, you know, it changed where you were at in your life and, and the decisions that you had to make. And, and it was just, it was really cool experience. Um, I wouldn't change that for the world. I, I you know, it, it was one of the worst, probably the worst hockey I've played just because of how I had to try and adapt or change to kind of the investment side and the business side of the game. But really it was a really cool experience for me. And then after that, a complete change, I guess, in, in style and in the way you know your game goes by making the decision to go overseas, play in Europe. You know, what kind of spurred that decision to go over and play in Denmark and how important to your development was that decision to go and play in Europe? Yeah, I think for a lot of players, it's about comfortability. You, you want to be comfortable, not comfortable, but you want to be in, in the right mindset to be able to perform at your best. And, and I just kind of felt, I, I, I've been a guy my entire life who's actually loved the game of hockey. A lot of people do this, play this game because they're really good at it and you can, you can make a ton of money doing it or whatever the case may be. I love the game of hockey. Like you ask all my buddies or my family, I get home from a nine month off season and I'm the first guy on the ice, like literally within 48 hours. If someone texts me to go play, I'm, I'm going to play, you know? So um, it was, it was something that I, I loved so much and I kind of fell out of love with it because of that business and investment side of the game, because of kind of, there wasn't a ton of uh, team unity and, and team camaraderie that, that I fell in love with when I was in Hartford and East coast there. We had a great group of guys and I, and I don't want this to come off that we didn't, um, but I just want to really express that, you know, I really want to get back to kind of that team unification, just really, you know, everyone pushing for each other to, to have success and do well. And uh, I've always been that way. Like I said earlier about the success of my teammates when I was younger. And so I made the jump. I had a couple of college guys that were in an organization and a Canadian coach out in Europe. And I thought it'd be a great opportunity for, for my career to really find, fall in love with the game again. Um, I was miserable kind of that year in Hartford and, and in, in Greenville. I, I didn't love what I was doing, and I, I feel like I always have loved the game, so I need to get back to that, and that's why I did that. And uh, I played with a couple ex-college player uh, teammates of mine, Brock Nixon, Tyler Fiddler, uh, some great guys. Uh, we met some other great guys there. We just had an absolute blast, won a championship there, and I just absolutely fell in love with, with wanting to get as good as I could possibly get um, at, at hockey again. Yeah, and, and you talk about you know that business side and having to adapt to that, and then when you go overseas, it's a different feeling. But what was kind of the hardest thing you had to adapt to over there, whether it be you know completely different culture off the ice, you know the larger rank, the play style on it. What was the hardest thing for you to to kind of have to adapt to over there? Uh, I actually don't know if there was maybe the language barrier and, and maybe their way of living. There's not enough hours in the day in North America. You, you can ask anybody <laughs> that it feels like by the time you get home at five o'clock and you put your feet up, it, it's, you're going to, you know what I mean? Like the days yeah. go by so fast and over in Europe, the Scandinavian lifestyle is very laid back. The, the, the people are walk, they walk everywhere. There's traffic circles. The fastest someone goes might be 50 K like they sit down. There's not a drive through for coffee. If I told if I told my buddies over in Sweden that that there was a drive through uh, to get a coffee, they'd hit me in the head when they saw me. You know what I mean? Like it's just a, so maybe the culture side of things, like where you really had to slow down and really appreciate your time with who you're with, and and just everything was just very very slowed down. It, it was very you really appreciate your time just with every like that's how it, their lifestyle is, their culture. 
Um, and then maybe the hockey is a, it is a lot different. It's a very D to D hinge, um, slowed down game, um, you know, bigger ice. So you got a lot more time with the puck, um, you know, but you know, I, it, I found it uh, very easy to adjust and adapt to. I felt the people over there were very welcoming in Edinburgh, um, in Denmark, Norway, and in Sweden, the people were just so welcoming um, they really made you feel like you're a part of their, their family and their organization, their town. Um, and it was really, really a great experience. You talked about winning a championship in, in Denmark and, you know, throughout your entire career in Europe, you came away with some serious hardware, like you said, a championship in Denmark, a championship in Norway, player of the year, playoff MVP. And then this past year in Sweden, defenseman of the year and most valuable player do one of those achievements stand out for you, or are they just kind of a collection uh, of just great times uh, for your career in Europe? Yeah, you know, it's funny. That it's like, you, you it kind of, I don't want to say it blends together because every individual award or team award has such a significance behind it. You ask anyone who wins anything, and the reason why they win it is because of their teammates and because of the people that support them and help them become who they are. And I truly believe that. But, um, I, I don't mean to say this in a cocky way, but the, the you missed one. It was they this year. It was, it was uh, top D man uh, MVP by the league, and then they do one. It's kind of like I think it's like a Ted Lindsay like MVP by the players. Right. Like, yeah, like the golden yeah, the golden helmet. Yeah, the golden helmet exactly. And I think that that one really stood out for me throughout my four years over in in Europe. Was um, I played against studs? for two full years i mean i'm talking Derek Roy, just so many great players um in the shl that i looked up to so much and really tried to model my game after and be consistently good every night and to get that's the it's voted by the players of the mvp and, and when my when my uh when my media guy told me that i won it <clears throat> i i kind of looked at him and i i thought he was joking uh, <laughs> when he said when he said it to me last day there and then two of my buddies dennis eberberg who was with winnipeg and colorado and and Ted Bertan, who was kind of a stud over there, just said to me, like, Cody, like, that is the coolest. That's cooler than any MVP. Like, that's cooler than any award over here. Like, it, that is the coolest. And that it really set in, like, your your peers voted for you. And when your peers vote for you and you get – like, apparently it was almost anonymous. Like, it was, like, almost every guy voted for me kind of thing. So it really was a cool award to win. And, and that one is the one that really sticks out for me. Yeah, I mean, when you when you finish second in scoring in the league and you're a defenseman, you you, you tend to, you tend to stand <laughs> out uh, among your peers in the league. I'm sure. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit because you played for Canada in the Spangler Cup with former Anaheim Duck Kevin Bieksa. What was it like to represent Canada in that setting and play in that tournament? Oh my God! Uh, well, you, it's funny you say Kevin Bieksa and then you say Team Canada, and two completely uh, <laughs> amazing things in the world. Honestly, like Juice is like one of the coolest humans I've ever met in my entire life. <laughs> I'm never gonna forget that guy. And I hope I, I I will connect with him uh, when I'm down in Anaheim. But uh, yeah, to represent your country is is uh, something that I did it at the university level um, for the Olympic Games, and and that was really really cool. But to do it at the professional level. Uh, to be surrounded by, you know, Ron Francis and, and Kevin Deneen and Mike Kitchen and, and uh, you know, Sean Burke and all those guys, uh, what an experience. And, and the way that they treated the families in that tournament, uh, we had a set of friends that came out, best friends of ours that came out and, and visited us and, and did the tournament with us. And, wow, just it was, uh, <clears throat> it was an absolute honor 
first and foremost, but, but the way that the team Canada rolls out the red carpet for the family and, and uh, the whole experience of being in Switzerland up at the mountain there in Davos just was that, that is one thing hands down. I'll never forget. Neither will my wife. And um, I hope to do the tournament again uh, in some point in my future. Cause that's how amazing it was. Yeah, and you, you have a chance to, to reconnect, like you said, with Kevin and, and Kevin Deneen, both Kevins, uh, when you when you come down here to Anaheim. Obviously, Kevin Deneen coaching, go, coaching the goals this last season, and Kevin For still sure. lives down here, so you got a chance to, to reconnect with both of them. Absolutely, yeah. I, I look forward to it. Uh, you know, it was, uh, like I said, great experience to see those guys, and, you know, you, you, you watch these guys growing up, coaching or playing or whatever it may be, and uh, to watch them – uh, and see them in live action and then to, to actually be in the room across from them is, is something really special. Yeah, I want to touch on one more thing this season. Obviously, you know, with Rogel, you guys were ranked third in the Swedish Hockey League this year. And then, uh, you know, COVID-19 comes out, the season gets postponed, eventually canceled. Is it a little bittersweet having to leave the season behind, knowing you had a good chance to challenge for a championship here? Yeah, I think that's probably the hardest part. And you know what? It took me about a month after I got home, like mid-April, to really realize uh, how sad it was. And I use the word sad uh, that we didn't get an opportunity. And the reason why is because if you're from the outside looking in and you don't understand who Rogla is and what we stand for and what we've done over the last couple of years and what the Abbots have done to really recreate their culture and their organization, then it would be a hard time to understand. Uh, we're talking about an organization that has been up and down from the Elspenskin trying to stay not relegated and what the Abbots, the, the people that they brought in, I mean, almost every night we just had uh, time and time again, we were always hanging out with someone and we were always just experiencing more memories together and, and just great moments uh, that we still cherish now and always will. And uh, we had a dangerous, dangerous group. We had, we were deep on the back end. We had two stud goaltenders. We had tons of young prospects, great veterans, and and we could have done some serious damage. Like we were ready to, we and we were climbing near the end of the season, and 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 just the way that we structured that team, the Abbots really believe in bringing in the right people. Maybe not the best guys that are available, but the right people. And, and I think that that's when you win championships, and that's when you do things that are really special. And uh, and and that's what happens, you know. And and you look at these guys that that I had to leave. Um, I'd do anything in my power to be able to play one more season with, with those guys and with the coaches and the, and the staff. It was absolutely incredible. And they're a huge reason why I'm here today talking to you about, about hopefully playing in the NHL. And, and uh, yeah, we were, we were really upset that we didn't get an opportunity to, to do something special. Where were you uh, on the bench or on the ice this year when uh, Niels Hoaglander scored that lacrosse goal? <laughs> I would have had a concussion. <laughs> I, was injured. I was injured i was at home watching it with my wife and two of her two of her girlfriends that were visiting um i was i was i was at home and i had a i had a front row view at home i like and it but i i think i got an assist on his first one he did last year in ferrius did i think i rimmed the puck it was the easiest assist i've ever gotten um <laughs> but he had he did done it twice he did it in ferrius said the yep. second time i was unfortunately injured um, but what a t- what, you want me to touch on him a little bit? Hey, if if you want, yeah, sure. But what an absolute talent! Uh, really excited to see what he does in the NHL. Um, and the most down to earth kid. 
uh, very humble and just works his bag off. He'll, he'll win the fitness testing at, at New York or at uh, Vancouver camp. Like this kid, he is the, the, the forefront of, of every uh, category in hockey. The, the be- like just a, just an absolutely beautiful human and, and uh, works his bag off every single day. It really makes you appreciate. I learn a lot from him and he's 19 years old. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we, and we all did so the way that he works out in the gym and, and the way, how he, you know, really appreciates the game and, and doesn't take a day for granted. It's really incredible. He can juggle and ride on the unicycle at the same time. <laughs> that's a little bit of what he does. So anyways, I, I that's kind of, anyways, I was at home. So. <laughs> he's doing it all. I mean, you might have had the best seat in the house to watch that. You get all the replays to, to check it out, I too. I did, yeah. I, I was about 50 replays, so I, <laughs> I watched every one of them. So it was good. Uh, you, you, we touched on an earlier uh, in our conversation a bit. You had some plans to go to Russia uh, for the, the upcoming season. Um, obviously, you know, better plans came up, and, and you're coming over to, to play in Anaheim. But what appealed to you about that league being another stop on your journey? You know, I think, like I said, you always you always want to try and, and uh, be in the best leagues possible and, and accomplish things in every league. And um, at, at that time, that was the league that was kind of uh, interested in me. And um, I had some definitely had some some uh, things on my list that w- had to be a must. Uh, I wanted a Canadian coach. We needed to be in a big city, uh, which Omsk was relocated to Moscow for the next two years because their rank was getting built in Omsk. So we were in Moscow, which is a great city. And you know, you just want to try and you want to try and tackle every league and, and the best leagues possible. And I wanted to just keep pushing myself. And I felt like the KHL was the right step at that time to, like I said, provide financially for my family. The money over there is crazy and um, almost tax free, basically. With you know, it, it, <laughs> you don't want to run for you don't want to run to things for money. But when you can provide for your family financially right. and maybe not have to work another day after. Um, you know, that's a huge, uh, incentive for people, but, uh, we had a great situation and I didn't leave Avangard Oaks because I, because I hated the organization or I was scared or, or anything like that. It was, it's a five-star organization. They're a huge reason why, um, I'm here now because I was released and, um, I didn't leave them. Um, I had an opportunity to play in the NHL. Um, yeah. so I, no bad blood between us. I've spoken to their GM and, and Bob Hartley and everyone, and they've done nothing but been, uh, fully professional and five star and very human through this whole process. So, yeah, to, to make the jump from the SHL to KHL was simply a goal of mine that my wife and I talked about that we were both willing to to make the jump to change the in the culture and the lifestyle and, and everything like that. So we were really looking forward to it, and and uh, you know we obviously got this opportunity, and, and when you can't pass it, pass up the NHL. So yeah, yeah, you, you can't pass up a chance to to realize a dream, right? And you know, with the the upcoming NHL season kind of in limbo, you've got a bit more time to kind of let everything sink in and, and adjust. But when it finally does come, what goals do you have for that upcoming season? You know, and it's funny, I keep getting that question, and, and everyone says, do you want to win the Hart Trophy, and do you want to be a Stanley <laughs> Cup winner? And, you know, that's not my goals, and, and they never have been. You know, like, mm-hmm. I always want to be, and I don't know if it's, being a team guy or being in college and then junior and you just always I've never been on teams that have replaced players a ton so I've always had great relationships with all the players that I had I love my teammates and I love my team and and my goals for next season are, are, are simply to 
to try and be the best player that I can be for Anaheim, you know, and, and that's just where my mindset has always been mentally. I want to help this team win. You know, it seems like they're in a bit of a rebuild. I don't know if that's what they call it or whatever it may be. Um, but I just want to, whatever I can bring to the table, I want to be my best Cody Curran to, to help uh, the team that I play for. And that's the Anaheim Ducks. And, and I think it's, they're in a really cool uh, position to, to just be able to try and have a lot of young guys with some great veterans and, um, you know, a great coach who's, who has a lot of energy and is super excited to, to attack the season. And that's the thing about the NHL is, is I don't think you ever know who's going to do really well throughout the year or, or whether they're in a rebuild or not. Like it's, it doesn't really matter. You know, it, it, it seems mm-hmm. like in the NHL, there's always a new Stanley cup winner or, or a new team that kind of amazes somebody. So um, that's the beauty thing about hockey. And um, every team I've ever played on, I've always tried to just be the best player for that team, for the structure of their play and, and whatever their strategy is. So, so for me, my goal is just to, to be the best Cody Kern for the Anaheim Ducks and, and whatever that looks like, I'm willing to, to do and adapt to. So. Yeah, and I mean, the last couple of years, you know, the Ducks have been in, in whether they want to call it a rebuild or a retool or, or something along those lines. They've had a lot of players on the left side of defense that they've been moving in and out and moving a lot of guys from the their normal side on the left to the right. Have you ever played on the right side throughout your career? And, you know, I'm not a player personally, so how much of a difference is that to kind of make the switch over to the right side? I grew up on the right. My buddies, you got too many left-handed defense. When I said I, I, I've always played on the right, uh, it's somewhere where I'm. I, I feel a lot more comfortable uh, being a little bit more agile to the inside. I got my blade to the inside to make plays, and um, you know when I can come back, I can pop, pop, I can pop, pop pucks off a little bit easier. I just find that you know, I've always played on the right side, and, and uh, that way my body's open to the middle of the ice and. Um, I'm a little bit stronger to my right side cutting, so I, I, I feel like I can get to the middle of the ice a little bit quicker. I don't know. It's just always been, you know, a, a strong side of mine. So I love the right side. I know I don't play the right side, but I feel like I'm offensively skilled enough to – I've always been able to adjust. I just played the left side the last couple of years in, in Rogla because uh, we had a lot of right-handed defensemen that I could play with, Nicholas Hanshin, Craig Shearer, and they were both right-handed guys that I always played with. It's nice to – to share the puck left and right with guys makes it a lot easier to be more creative on the blue line. But um, I love my, I love one timing pucks and I love playing the right side. So I've always played there. So it's not an issue for me at all. There you go. If you got a, an inside track on a lot of the guys that are there right now. So uh, the, hopefully, uh, hopefully you can make it stick. Um, one thing too, I want to, you know, we mentioned Dallas Aikens a bit in the coaching staff with the Ducks and Kevin Deneen. Have, have you talked at all with any of the Ducks coaching staff? I know it's, it's obviously fresh and the ink's probably still not dry yet, but have you talked with any of them about the plans for the upcoming season? I haven't. No, no. Uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm sure at some point here we will, but, uh, as of right now, I haven't talked to any coaches. I talked to Bob, uh, yesterday and, and, uh, he said that, uh, you know, the guys would be in touch and, and, uh, the staff and everyone like that and all their communications team. And, um, you know, everyone like that would be in touch and we'd start to get some, some, uh, uh tentative plans in, but yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to talking to all of them and, and getting to know everybody. So do do you know any guys on the team? Cause I know Hampus has an association with Rogla, you know, he got drafted from the team, didn't end up playing for, for them in the Swedish hockey league, but I'm, I'm sure he's probably been around at some point. Do you know any of the other guys? 
I don't know any of the other guys, but I, I do know Hampus quite well, actually. I, I followed Hampus around. He'll tell you probably, he'll probably tell you that was a bit annoying. I, I followed him around <laughs> like a puppy dog, to be honest. So, um, yeah, he, he's someone that I really look up to and have always tried to learn from. I sat beside him in the dressing room and, and I, I played with him a couple, you know, the shifts and things like that. And like I said, I was constantly asking him, you know, how do you take two on ones? And, and he's a well-established defenseman in this league, a, a great player. And, and like I said, someone I look up to, he's a great human, a uh, great person. All, all the Swedes are <laughs> great guys. You know, I'm sure Silverberg's a great, like everyone, every Swede I've ever met is, an absolutely unbelievable human being. So um, I'm really looking forward to getting in touch with him over the next couple of days and whether I reach out to him or, or he reaches out to me. But, yeah, he's been – he's all at camp there working out and then he skates with us. So, yeah, great guy and can't wait to, to play with him. What are you looking forward to most about your new journey with the Anaheim Ducks? Oh, I haven't gotten that question yet. That's a good one. Um, you know what? I think I think every every uh, new journey has a has a, a different type of, of experience and a different impact on, on me and my family and and I think that uh, what I'm looking forward to most is, is really uh, really just enjoying the fact that that uh, you know throughout your entire life you've always tried to play in this game. Um, and, and I think I really just want to be great, grateful to play in the NHL. You know, I really want to be, um, I really want to have a lot of gratitude when it comes to being in this league because of, of everything that I, I've gone through and I've seen and what I see other players go through over in Europe and just in the East Coast Hockey League and everything like that, just to really, to be honest, be, kind of be that story to, to a kid that maybe doesn't think he can make it or, or maybe seems a little bit down in his life. I'm really looking forward to, you know, if I do play an NHL game or have a good NHL career, that, that people can really look at this and say, you know, Cody Kern made it. Um, you know, I mean, that gives me a, a, an inspiring hope to, to do it as well. And, and I think that I love those kind of stories and I hope that I could be one for, for a young kid. I, and I truly, I don't say that in a cliche way or trying to pump tires or anything like that. I just, I really want to be grateful um, that I, that I'm in the NHL uh, from where I'm come from. And then hopefully I can inspire someone else. I, I think no matter what, I mean, even, you know, you play one game, you play a hundred games, I think already. I mean, your journey to the NHL is as remarkable and as unique as they, they come. I, I think anybody looking at it now, any kids coming up that, that don't know or don't think that they can make it uh, can already use your career as a story and, and show that it's possible to, you know, make it in the non-traditional way. Um, la- you know, Cody, last question I have for you, you know, reflecting on it all now that you've signed the NHL contract, looking back at your career, is there anything that you would have done differently? Uh, you know, I, I think that, I don't regret anything because, you know, in that moment, it's, it's what you want to do. But, but I feel like I wish that there was maybe something or something that maybe made, made me realize a little bit earlier how important it was to be a pro. Really, it's a sacrifice that you really have to make at a young age. And I understand why a lot of young kids don't do it. But, but if I were to change anything, it would just to really hone in on, on trying to work on um, just really trying to be a professional. And maybe if it needs to be laid out more or if it needs to be a little bit more, people need to be more aware of what that looks like. Um, but just as far as conditioning and, and, and turning yourself into a pro and, and, and the time that it takes, I wish I, I wish I 
I wish I I took more uh, awareness to that at a younger age. I, I think maybe I would have been here a little bit earlier if I did that. If I really honed in on my conditioning and, and uh, practicing on my skills and I mean, I didn't start working out till I was 24. You know what I mean? 23, like in college, before I went to Tampa Base Camp. I think 23-year-old summer was my first year with Sean Hopross, who's the Calgary Hitman trainer now and a great trainer. Um, and uh, so I think maybe that's what I would have changed is, is really work on my conditioning and my weight training and my agility and, and just practicing on a, on a lot of skills and things like that. Well, Cody, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. I mean, your your journey to the NHL – uh, it's such an amazing story, and I wish you all the best this year in Anaheim, and hopefully we can do this again. Awesome. You let me know anytime.